0: Hi, and welcome to In Search of Insight, Nootropics Depot's monthly podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and sitting next to me is our product specialist, Emil. Hey, everyone. It's so nice to see you, finally, after almost two years of making this podcast. We're really excited to be talking about cyanidin-3-glucoside on video and getting to know you a little bit better, and for you to get to know us and our supplements and our stacks and our experiences with Nootropics Depot together. So to get started, we are actually going to do something fun so that you can see exactly how it feels to take our new product and the product we're going to talk about in today's podcast, which is cyanidin-3-glucoside. So we're gonna make a little solution and then walk you through our experience as the podcast is happening, uh, what we're feeling, what kinds of effects we can perceive Um, and then some of the research and the nitty-gritty details like always.
1: Yeah, so we thought cyanidin-3-glucoside would be a perfect one to start with with the visual element because it looks really cool. So to demonstrate that I will make a somewhat weak solution of cyanidin-3-glucoside. So ours is extracted from wild uh, black rice and it is super concentrated in color. So you only need a little bit to color this large amount of water. So I've got some powder pre-measured out here. And
0: what was the dose you used?
1: I really didn't dose it out much, Um, but it is only probably about 50 milligrams. I just grabbed a small amount of powder. Not all of it came out anyways. So you can see it's already starting to sink down without really doing anything. Um, So I'm assuming this looks pretty cool on the other side, but let me stir it up and really get this completely colored.
0: It looks great from where I'm sitting. And for those of you who are not familiar with some of the other endo products that we carry, um, this is going to be a typical color for cyanidin-3-glucoside, also for our tart cherry extract. And the color is beautiful, but it's also functional. And we're gonna talk about that in a little bit more detail as the podcast goes on.
1: So this is also one of the reasons why we haven't released a powder yet. Maybe we won't really release the powder. As you could see, maybe I was being a little bit cautious around this powder. Uh, that's because while it is clearly very water soluble, it gets everywhere. So I'm going to be checking my hands now to make sure I don't get any on myself or my face. Uh, during the beta testing phase, I definitely got a little bit of cyanide 3-glucoside all over myself. So. You want some uh, of this?
0: Yeah absolutely.
1: So you can see it's it's really purple it's not completely water-soluble either uh, and that's because of the small rice particulates that are still there because like we mentioned it's being extracted from uh, black rice. Okay and yeah as you see Erica doing there let's make sure we get that purple off. Okay. Yeah. So let's put this away for now. So now we have some solution. You can see it's it's quite purple. And if, if I had to guess, so there was probably about 50 to 100 milligrams of the wild rice extract in that little jar. Uh, I think I got about half of it out. It's a little bit sticky too. So at 25% cyanidin-3-glucoside This is a relatively small amount of cyanidin-3-glucoside in a liter of water and you can see it is extremely purple. Um, So that's one reason you probably don't even want it in a powder and it's really convenient in these capsules. So, like we always do, and you always have to take our word for it, but we always take the product we are talking about right before recording the podcast. So, now you actually have proof of that thank you. So the dosage for cyanidin-3-glucoside is two capsules and that will give you 250 milligrams of actual cyanidin-3-glucoside. So of course we're calling this product cyanidin-3-glucoside because that's the main standardization. In actuality it is a black rice extract standardized to 25% cyanidin-3-glucoside. So the amount of cyanidin or the amount of black rice extract in these capsules is much higher, but the amount of cyanidin-3-glucoside you're getting is lower. That is 125 milligrams per capsule, 250 milligrams per dose, which is two capsules, so. Awesome. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Or proost. As we're saying in the Netherlands.
1: <laughs> so as the podcast progresses now, Maybe you will see us change visually a little bit.
0: We're not going to turn purple. (laughs) Hopefully not.
1: Um, And then it will be a little bit energizing, so you might hear it in our voices. We might get a little bit more animated. That's probably one thing to look out for as you're watching for some visual cues. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good thing to note, I already did take a dose of cyanidin-3-glucoside earlier this morning. Uh, So in the bodybuilding world, Uh, There was a company that was marketing cyanidin-3-glucoside about 10 years ago, I think they started. And at the time, they were saying you can take up to 1200 milligrams a day of cyanidin-3-glucoside, which seems crazy high to me. So for the last two days, I've been experimenting with a double dose. So one dose in the morning of 250 milligrams and then another dose later in the afternoon of another 250 milligrams. I have to say it's honestly a little bit intense for me. So, I'm Intense not sure. In what way? It's quite uh, energizing for me. Okay. So, uh, a single dose really uh, gets me quite energized. Uh, and then, yeah, that, that second dose it just kind of puts it over the top. So, for me, I'm not sure if I will continue with double dosing. Um, but it's something interesting to uh, explore if that's what you're into, if you really wanna maximize those effects on nutrient partitioning, which we'll get in later. But for now, I think we should take a look at our new products that we released, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna talk to you about three new products that we came out with in the past month since our last podcast episode has been released. And the first one we're going to talk about is L-Citrulline.
1: Yeah. So last month we released L-Arginine and then this month we're releasing the counterpart L-citrulline. So when we take L-Arginine or just L-Arginine in general in the body it is important for making nitric oxide. So that's one of the main reasons we're interested in L-Arginine and L-citrulline. So L-arginine is the real main player here, but we'll get to why L-citrulline is important. But when we take L-arginine or just L-arginine in our body, it interacts with these enzymes called the nitric oxide synthase enzymes. So those nitric oxide synthase enzymes, they take the L-arginine and there's a nitrogen group on there. It rips the nitrogen group off and it binds it to oxygen. Now we have nitric oxide. So this is being facilitated by that nitric oxide synthase enzyme when that happens we actually end up with L-citrulline. So L-citrulline chemically is exactly the same as L-arginine except it is missing that nitrogen. Now the interesting thing about that is that through the urea cycle L-citrulline is turned back into L-arginine and then it can do the reaction again. The problem with L-arginine and the benefit with L-arginine is that L-arginine, when you consume it, there's another enzyme floating around called arginase and arginase can deactivate some of this L-arginine before it can interact with nitric oxide synthase enzymes. On the other hand, when you take L-arginine orally, you do immediately have available L-arginine to be turned into nitric oxide. So by taking L-arginine, you can spike your levels of nitric oxide. A little bit quicker and potentially a little bit higher very quickly, which can have some benefits for a pre workout. Um, but if you take L-citrulline, it bypasses this arginase enzyme. So L-citrulline through the urea cycle can actually be a slightly better source of L-arginine, which seems kind of interesting. You're you're not taking L-arginine, you're taking L-citrulline but you're actually ending up with higher overall levels of L-arginine because L-citrulline can turn into L-arginine. And when this happens the L-citrulline slowly converts to L-arginine. So this has two benefits or a couple of benefits and a a disadvantage. One of the disadvantages is that it takes a little bit longer. So if you're taking L-citrulline for working out, a lot of people take these nitric oxide boosters because they want more muscle pump. Um, Basically if you're doing bicep curls the more blood that's flowing into your bicep, the more it will feel like it's almost tearing apart a little bit. They call that the pump. So these nitric oxide boosters are known as pump supplements. And uh, so L-citrulline, since it does take a little while to elevate those nitric oxide levels, better to take it like an hour before exercise. L-arginine you can take a little bit closer to exercise. And that's probably why for some people L-arginine works better. but for most people the L-citrulline is going to work a little bit better because it produces more prolonged uh, nitric oxide boosting effects. The, the L-citrulline or the increase in L-arginine is much uh, longer and more significant overall. A really interesting thing though is that L-citrulline seems to inhibit the arginase enzyme. So if you take L-citrulline together with L-arginine, then you are actually protecting the L-arginine from degradation by arginase. So our recommendation would be, if you don't have L-citrulline or L-arginine yet, and you are looking at getting either one, maybe get both and take both at the same time. And there is actually some research on this when you take both L-citrulline and L-arginine at the same time because of that synergistic effect you, one, have a much quicker increase in overall nitric oxide levels, which can be great before a workout, and you, via the L-citrulline, you have more prolonged levels of nitric oxide, which can be good for your cardiovascular uh, function. And, of course, uh, it's good for libido, especially for men. Um, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we won't get into that all too much here, but that's a a really interesting use for this. So in the past, like when we've talked about horny goatweed, horny goatweed is a phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitor, PDE5. What PDE5 does, it actually degrades another compound called CGMP. Now nitric oxide actually stimulates the synthesis of CGMP and CGMP is what eventually leads to the vasodilatory effect. nitric oxide. When you take a PDE5 inhibitor you make sure more of that CGMP stays around. So for those of you familiar with one of the more famous PDE5 inhibitors that's how that works Uh, and if you are then supplying more nitric oxide PDE5 inhibitors would work better but just general blood flow would work better too. So they're really interesting for just general blood flow, um, libido uh, and just working out and stuff like that.
0: So if you're someone who is looking to really optimize your workout stack or your pre-workout stack or your recovery workout stack, this could be a really interesting product for you and also interesting product to try out if you have also purchased and tried our L-Arginine supplement because I think having two sides of the coin, we use that analogy a lot when we're talking about supplements, but in this case, it is kind of two sides of the coin of this process that's happening in our bodies is a really interesting way to combine the supplements to get the most out of them, to optimize them, basically.
1: Absolutely, yeah. In my opinion, it's always better to take a more comprehensive approach to hit the system from a couple of different angles. And I think with L-Arginine and L-Citrulline, you're really pulling that off nicely.
0: Very cool. And in terms of the perceptible effects or the onset, um, do you have experience taking the L-Citrulline recently? Have you tried it before going for a bike ride or going outside?
1: So I haven't tried it out recently. I do have a sample on the way to me so I can try it out again. In college though, I used a lot of L-citrulline and L-arginine mostly in pre-workout formulations when I was going to the gym. Obviously, I'm not going to the gym (laughs) that much anymore. Back in the day in college when I had two hours a day I would be going to the gym a lot and I was really into the Pumping Iron movie at the time uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is talking about the pump and uh, how it's better than sex or whatever, all of the, these these really grand uh, things he's saying, it's a bit of a silly movie in that sense. but. The pump is quite interesting. So when I have taken it in the past, I noticed that I feel a little bit warmer when it kicks in. And then when I'm exercising, I definitely noticed that the muscle group that I was targeting was uh, getting a little bit more blood flow and that would result in more of this like tight feeling in my muscles, which feels nice and is kind of a nice motivating thing. It also uh, may enhance endurance, you know, the. The research is not super solid on that. In my experience, it does seem to enhance my endurance a little bit. The one thing I really like about blood flow enhancers though, especially in the winter, is they just make me feel warmer. When I'm taking a blood flow enhancer, I feel warmer. Um, I think my circulation is good, but it can always use a little bit of a boost. Uh, That's probably also why if you're drinking a lot of alcohol, especially in the winter, sometimes you have this stupid idea to go outside in a t-shirt, but alcohol also has a major vasodilatory effect and kind of makes you feel warm because of that, Um, so I think for if you're someone who gets easily cold, like maybe your extremities get cold, your tips get cold, your toes get cold, stuff like that, then taking L-citrulline or L-arginine is also interesting for that more perceptible effect.
0: Okay, really cool. That makes me a little bit more motivated to try out L-citrulline because mm-hmm. I have perpetually cold feet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that makes me really curious. And while I can't say that I'm typically searching for this pump feeling when I exercise, I do actually notice um, this kind of increased blood flow when you're exercising. You start to feel more energy rather than feeling tired once you're really warmed up in the groove of what you're doing. And I can imagine that having something that um, enhances that feeling even more is motivating In a psychological way, but also in a physical way for your muscles themselves. Absolutely,
1: yeah. It's it's more of that. I've talked to a few people about this. You know, when we talk about things that have a neurological effect, If there is stuff happening in your body too, it can almost be like your body is giving cues to your brain and it's kind of enhancing those effects. So for example, you see beta-alanine in a lot of pre-workouts at doses where it gives you this um, effect called paresthesia, your skin starts to tingle.
0: Mm.
1: When you combine that with a stimulant, it actually kind of feels like the stimulant nature of the product is is making you tingle and that in my experience kind of increases the stimulating effect even though it's not increasing the stimulating effect there's just now something happening in your peripheral system so with some of these blood flow enhancers making you feel warm they might actually stack really well with something like lemon balm Uh, lemon balm gives you this nice relaxed warm feeling a little bit more blood flow extra warm that can maybe relax you even more so
0: I was thinking to stack it with maca as well. Maca would be great. That has a really strong effect for me when it comes Mm -hmm. to kind of cold resistance.
1: Yeah. And of course, for men looking for that uh, blood flow enhancing effect to penile tissue, maca would be good for Mm -hmm. women too, of course. So maca and L-citrulline could be stacked together for those purposes too.
0: Really cool. So now you have some ideas of what to stack L-citrulline with and some of its main benefits. So I think it's time to move on to our next new product that we have released, which is Siberian Eleuthero. And this is a really interesting product and it sometimes goes by other names, but we're gonna tell you a little bit more about it. So what's the main um, benefits profile from Siberian Eleuthero?
1: So Siberian Eleuthero is very frequently wrongly referred to as Siberian ginseng. I think that does give you a little bit of information already about what Siberian Eulothero is going to do. It has nothing to do with Panax ginseng, though it's not in the same family, that they botanically they are not related. You're actually not even allowed to call Siberian ginseng Siberian ginseng for that reason or well you're not allowed to call Siberian Eulothero Siberian ginseng for that reason. In my experience the Siberian Eulothero is actually a little bit more similar to Rhodiola rosea that's one we take Um, so Siberian Eulothero in general is a energizing adaptogen. Where Rhodiola Rosea I think has a little bit more mood boosting. so like some of those energizing effects are more in your brain. With Siberian Eulothero those effects are a little bit more in your body. So for physical exercise this is a really interesting one because it has some good um, fatigue mitigating effects. So if you're getting physically fatigued during a run or something like that Taking something like Siberian ulothero, maybe especially with L-citrulline and L-arginine, could really help enhance your endurance and lower fatigue. I also find that the fatigue effect does extend to the, the mental aspect of it. So it's also good for enhancing mental endurance. So let's say you're studying for a really long time, you can take some Siberian ulothero and it will extend your mental endurance.
0: I really want to try this now, it's good. <laughs> this Again, is at the top of my list.
1: There is a sample of that coming in, okay. um, it's been stuck in, in shipping for a little bit, uh, it, it, sometimes it's a little bit hard to get products to Europe, especially samples, um, so but we're waiting on that and we will try it a little bit more extensively uh, and then we can share our thoughts on that a little bit more, but I do really, when I tried it a few times a few months ago, because the one thing with the Siberian eulothero is, It is hard to analytically test and it seems strangely hard to actually get a hold of a good extract. So Siberian ulothero is something we've been looking at for years. Um, It's something that we would sometimes receive a sample of, test it and it just wasn't testing well and then we were tweaking our methods and it took a really long time before we actually found the Siberian ulothero that tested well and discovering lab testing methods that we're actually able to test it properly and getting all of the uh, reference standards. So it's been a long project, which means when I tried it, it was months ago and we've had this big move behind us. So my memory on it is a little bit fuzzy. So we will try it again and then uh, come back with some more thoughts.
0: Absolutely. And I'm definitely going to give you some uh, thoughts about how It works for music practice sessions and for yoga classes and for bike rides and our typical um, kind of combination of physical activity and mental activity as well. Um, Because it sounds like it's going to be a good benefit for both of those elements. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time to move on to our final new product, which is also the focus for today's podcast and that is cyanidin-3-glucoside. And in the beginning of the podcast, we showed you this beautiful purple solution that we made, and we took a dose of the cyanidin-3-glucoside, and I feel a little bit of some uh, tingles of the onset of this already. Mm -hmm. Do you? Me too. What are you feeling? I feel warmth coming from my stomach area. Mm um, it's sort of radiating from the center of my body and I feel a little bit more relaxed. I feel like my tendons and my muscles, especially in my hands and my wrists are more relaxed than they were before. Definitely feel a little bit more aware of my body physically and hmm, it makes speaking a little bit easier too. I find that um, I can relax my jaw and just sort of settle into the flow of how this podcast is going and maybe get out of my head a little bit more.
1: Yeah, and it, it's pretty quick. I think we're, what, probably 15 minutes in, maybe 20 minutes in at yeah. this point. Um, so the effects kick in pretty quick. Basically, as soon as that capsule hits your stomach acid, it starts to disintegrate, and then it starts getting released. Another important thing to note is we're not taking this on a completely empty stomach, because no. uh, about an hour ago, we had a sandwich. So there's food in our stomach but it's still kicking in really quickly and i think that brings us maybe to the first uh, part of this podcast is that the bioavailability of cyanidin-3-glucoside is quite interesting so it is a fairly small molecule so it can easily be absorbed just through passive uh, methods so basically it just passes through your cellular membranes and then can go from your stomach to into the stomach lining and then into your circulation, into your intestines. Of course, for now, everything is just happening in our stomach uh, because it takes a little while for things to get into our intestines, especially with food in our stomach. So we're just getting that uh, absorption happening from our stomach. Now, there's two really interesting things when it comes to cyanidin-3-glucoside. First and foremost, it is a, a glycoside of cyanidin. So what that means is you have this uh, compound called cyanidin and you tack a glucose group onto that. And then you have a glycoside. So all of the anthocyanins, cyanidin-3-glucoside is an anthocyanin. All of the anthocyanins are glucosides, glycosides when you rip that uh, glucose or that sugar group off in a process called deglycosylation then you end up with cyanidin and you call that actually an anthocyanidin. So if you've heard those two terms going back and forth anthocyanin is with a um, sugar group on it anthocyanidin is without it is the aglycone. The Anglicone is probably what is producing most of the effects and that is because within our body that sugar group is being ripped off quite readily in a few different parts of the body. But one thing that an anthocyanidin cannot do and an anthocyanin can is that it can use active transporters too. So um, there is a transporter called bililocalase which that transporter because of the sugar group on cyanidin 3-glucoside it can take cyanidin 3-glucoside and it can bring it to where we need it. So that's maybe where some of these quick effects are coming from. We are getting this this active transport, we're getting this passive transport and then we're getting these enzymes that exist within our body that is ripping the sugar group off. It is deglycosylating the cyanidin 3-glucoside and yielding cyanidin. we are describing cognitive effects right away. Um, So in order to have cognitive effects, for the most part, things have to get into your central nervous system. And for things to get into your central nervous system, they have to pass the blood-brain barrier. So that's always a big question. Does this compound pass the blood-brain barrier for cyanidin-3-glucoside? It does, partially through that passive transport partially through that Billy translocase. I hope I'm getting that right, actually. It's, it's a bit of a, a weird one, but it also transports bilirubin. So bioavailability-wise, there's been some questions on Reddit, how can you enhance that? It, it can be enhanced. I shared a, a research study recently on Reddit, and the researchers were actually surprised by just how bioavailable cyanidin-3-glucoside was. Sometimes be- mostly actually because of that active transport linked up with that passive transport. So the bioavailability is good. We're taking fairly high doses of it. It clearly has a perceptible effect. I, I think it's doing its job really well. But that's why we're feeling something pretty quick yeah. Um there might also be some stuff going on in our gut. Um, as we talked about I think uh, on the GABA uh, podcast. Did we do a GABA podcast?
0: Mm. No, no, but <laughs> we did talk so. about GABA because it came out recently and that's we were true. discussing it yes. as a new product.
1: Yeah, so GABA can have an effect on the brain through the gut-brain axis okay. and because of that gut-brain axis effect, uh, that's maybe how GABA has this GABAergic effect. Maybe it doesn't even have to go through the blood-brain barrier, so maybe with cyanide and 3-glucoside something like that is happening too. But as you might are starting to notice, maybe I'm talking a little bit quicker, maybe I'm feeling a little bit more uh, stimulated. Mm-hmm. And that's because cyanidin actually functions as a monoamine oxidase inhibitor. Uh, and we found that out through a pretty interesting way. Our lab director uh, was at a conference and he was drinking coffee there, but he had also taken cyanidin-3-glucoside. And normally, he doesn't really respond to anything and he was saying man this cyanidin 3-glucoside is really energizing like it's almost making me feel a little bit jittery and we were trying to figure it out because this hadn't happened to him before. So turns out because of the caffeine he consumed with the monoamine oxidase inhibitor effects of cyanidin 3-glucoside they potentiate each other and we thought it would be fun to actually brew up some coffee right now. So you can see this effect maybe increase a little bit more. We are chronic coffee drinkers. Yeah, Um, multiple times a day. Yeah, so coffee energizes us, but it's not anything crazy. I have noticed that with cyanidin-3-glucoside in my body, so for example, this morning, I took a cyanidin-3-glucoside and then had coffee. That coffee felt a lot stronger. So let's put that to the test. With a little bit of editing magic, we will be back in a second with a pour over brewing setup and And uh, we will walk you through that.
0: Yeah, and I'm ready to enjoy a cup of coffee.
1: Me too, let's get rid of this weird stuff. Here's another reason you don't really want this as a powder, as you can see on Erica's glass it is sticking a little bit and that's of course this is not pure cyanidin 3-glucoside it is a black rice extract so there are some starches in there Mm -hmm. still that's going to be sticking it's not necessarily going to dissolve all too well
0: this powder that you used is this just from a single capsule
1: no it's actually a sample I had of the pure powder Oh, so it's not actually the fillers in the capsules that is producing this actually let me let me see if we even have, hey, there's actually no fillers in this. Uh, So we actually tried to get a slightly higher dose of cyanobin-3-glucoside in these capsules, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't working. Um, So I believe we ended up getting in about 650 milligrams per capsule.
0: Okay, but this was made from just a a pure powder. Pure powder, And it's certainly, a beautiful color, really strong, but it actually doesn't taste like a whole lot either.
1: No, it doesn't taste like anything. You know, even with tart cherry, so uh, we will touch on this in a second, but tart cherry also contains cyanidin-3-glucoside, but mostly it contains another cyanidin-glycoside, and that one is called cyanidin 3 rutinoside So that's just a different type of sugar uh, linked onto it. And the two kind of taste similar. Like when you think tart cherry, you might think, hey, that's going to taste like tart. And mm-hmm cherry-like and it doesn't, it just kind of tastes like nothing.
0: Yeah, Um, if anything, it tastes slightly pleasant.
1: Yeah, and this, to be honest, it tastes slightly pleasant too, but it really does taste a little bit like rice.
0: Yeah. I know how rice
1: can be like a little bit floral, Mm -hmm. but it can also be like a little bit um, almost roasted. Tasting.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm tasting here. Yeah. So it's
1: it's not unpleasant. No, no, it's not at all.
0: It's it's pleasant, but it certainly doesn't beat a cup of coffee. So let's get to our brew setup and we'll be back in just a moment.
1: All right. And we're back uh, with the magic of editing. So. We have some really nice coffee from a a local roastery that we really like. Uh, This is a Kenyan coffee. We really like Kenyan coffees. They are a little bit more mellow in effect. So I think that will go well with the already boosting nature of the cyanidin-3-glucoside with caffeine. So, got some freshly ground here. Got 30 grams for the two of us.
0: And while Emil makes us a cup of delicious coffee, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about uh, anthocyanins from what I know. And what I know is more of the layperson's uh, information. But anthocyanins, I think, are really fascinating because they are present in a lot of the foods that I really love. Um, It's what gives cyanidin-3-glucoside its really, really dark purple color.
1: You mean cabbage, red cabbage?
0: Oh yeah, red cabbage, for (laughs) sure. Red wine, uh, blueberries, purple yams, Um, Strawberries, cherries, black rice.
1: Yeah, blackberries, like basically red wine, I think you already mentioned red wine, but basically anything that looks purple in nature is going to contain anthocyanins. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if the uh, coffee cherry contains anthocyanins, but I wouldn't be surprised with its red color.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And something that I find really cool about this is it's easy for us to identify then what kind of foods or um, food products that we are consuming on more of a daily basis that actually contain anthocyanins and some of these um, antioxidant type of properties. And that's one of my favorite things about this product in particular is that there's this color indicating some of the effects that it has and I find that that's helpful when I'm taking my daily stack to just think about what each element of my stack is actually doing for me and it acts as sort of a natural reminder
1: hmm yeah that that's an interesting way to look at it another thing with the color indication it's something we we neglected to do uh, just now but if you take uh, That's purple solution and you would have added vinegar to it, for example, to that uh, can of water we had, then that water will turn from purple to red, uh, which I think is really interesting that you have these uh, environmental pH meters.
0: So when you add vinegar to the water, it's going to change the pH and that changes the color from purple to red. And so basically, if you think about the kind of spectrum of colors, fruits, vegetables, um, and food products that have this really, really dark purple or even a little bit lighter purple or kind of a cherry red color. You can think about maybe how much um, acid is present or vinegar is present in those particular foods like strawberries or cherries compared to something like a purple yam or a blueberry. That's maybe not going to have that same pH, and therefore it's going to have a slightly different color.
1: And I've never tried this, but maybe if you take a uh, like a purple yam and you put some acid on it, maybe it would get a little bit more pinkish. So I do know like, if you take a um, red um, onion and you slice mm-hmm. it up, and then you pickle that red onion, it mm-hmm. turns bright pink.
0: Yeah. It, it's it's because there's anthocyanins. It's it. a little bit more purple, but it turns more pink. Or a recent example, we were eating um, a watermelon daikon radish which looks it has these beautiful purple streaks in it but then if you put some lemon juice on it the purple streaks actually turn light pink yes and that's another example of the same exact reaction that we're talking about when it comes to the pH changes with anthocyanins
1: so yeah in terms of just visual appeal and fun the the anthocyanins are really interesting so if you do have the C3G and you want to try this at home then you can try breaking open a capsule, putting it in some water, or just you only need a little bit. So actually, if we made that solution a little bit less um, concentrated, like I just washed off the um, the container it was in, and then you can see it's, it's much more vibrant, like, like a violet purple. So definitely a large range of colors. But of course, the, the colors are fun and interesting to talk about. But what we're really interested in is, of course, the effects. So. Now that we have the coffee almost brewed and ready to go, let's talk about these monoamine oxidase inhibiting or these monoamine oxidase enzymes and what happens when you inhibit them. Yes. So there's two of them. There's monoamine oxidase A, which mostly breaks down serotonin and some other monoamines. And then you have monoamine oxidase B, which breaks down dopamine and norepinephrine. When you block them, that means dopamine, norepinephrine and serotonin levels will go up. Because they're not being broken down as readily. So within coffee you already have a class of monoamine oxidase inhibitors called the beta-carbolines. So they're in coffee, they're in things like tobacco, they are actually also in tribulus terrestris, they are in passion passionflower, you have lots of beta-carbolines in our environment. And these beta-carbolines for example within coffee, caffeine by binding to the adenosine receptors and antagonizing the adenosine receptors can elevate dopamine levels, norepinephrine levels and serotonin levels it gets pretty complex in how it does this but basically the gist of it is that these adenosine receptors can form basically a complex with another receptor like the dopamine receptor and when the adenosine receptor is on the dopamine receptor is turned off if the adenosine receptor is turned off the dopamine receptor is turned on and throughout the day we build up more and more Adenosine. So, adenosine is of course a metabolite, a metabolite of uh, ATP. So, as we're burning through ATP, we get this adenosine. The adenosine starts blocking all of these monoamine neurotransmitter systems. We get sleeping, we fall asleep. With caffeine, we are kind of doing the opposite. We are blocking it. We are getting in the way of that natural process and we get more dopamine, we get more norepinephrine, more serotonin and that keeps us awake, especially when you combine it with monoamine oxidase inhibitor. So C3G with already some monoamine oxidase inhibitors in here, this will produce a really powerful effect actually. Um, So be careful with it if you are caffeine naive. If, however, you are a caffeine consumer like us and you wanna boost the effects of your caffeine, this is a great way to do it. So let me serve up some coffee. I just realized I don't have a stir stick to stir this up. So let's just do it with the back of this guy.
0: I'm excited to drink this cup of coffee because I'm already feeling more and more of a mood boost from the cyanidin 3 glucoside Um, Me too. As time goes on, I feel like I'm a little bit looser, I'm a little bit more relaxed, and I think this coffee is going to really take it to the next level. So I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully it won't be overstimulating for you. um, But we'll see. Yeah. Sometimes, depending on the day, depending on my mood, um, having a lot of stimulating supplements at once can be a little bit much but I feel good. The, the sky has cleared, the clouds have gone away, and we're about to enjoy this cup of coffee. And I think it'll be all right.
1: I think so too. So. All right. mm. Hopefully those slurping sounds aren't annoying. I can imagine they're probably not all too pleasant. So we'll try to keep that down to a minimum. Okay, so now we've got a cup of coffee. We can place this off to the side and focus on cyanidin-3-glucoside again. So the monoamine oxidase inhibiting effects are only a small portion of the mood-boosting effects and we will get to probably what a lot of you are interested in for cyanidin-3-glucoside, which is the nutrient partitioning effects. But I do want to focus a little bit more on the cognition side of things because Cyanidin-3-glucoside is really famous for its nutrient partitioning, bodybuilding, recomposition, body recomposition effects, but it is not well known for the cognitive effects and I think that's a shame. One, the monoamine oxidase inhibitor effects are really nice, that produces a really nice mood boosting effect, but something that is actually also related to the muscle building effects of cyanidin-3-glucoside is really interesting. So, when a lot of you are probably familiar with brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is BDNF. And BDNF is one of those things that enhances neuroplasticity. It does this by activating the TRKB receptor and this starts a big signaling cascade and that signaling cascade Uh, results in new neurons uh, being born, basically new connections being made, uh, existing connections being strengthened. And this is a really famous target within the world of nootropics. We're, We're constantly looking at ways in which we can elevate BDNF, ways in which we can uh, maybe even mimic BDNF. So for example the flavonoid 7a DHF, it mimics BDNF at the TRKB receptor and can produce neuroplasticity which can elevate mood, uh, it can enhance cognitive function, memory, it can be very neuroprotective. So that's interesting but what I recently found out is that when BDNF activates the TRKB receptor and it starts the process of neuroplasticity it recruits another um, uh, messaging system called PGC1-alpha. And PGC1-alpha is something that cyanidin-3-glucoside significantly upregulates. And this is also how it produces some of its muscle building effects. But the interesting thing is that PGC1-alpha stimulates mitochondrial biogenesis. So mitochondrial biogenesis is this process by which new mitochondria are basically born, generated, and that means we can have more ATP, we can have more cellular energy, better cellular function. It's really good overall, but if you think about it, when you create a new neuron, uh, they need these mitochondria. So clearly, mitochondrial biogenesis is very intimately involved with the process of neuroplasticity and more specifically, BDNF increases the expression and levels of PGC1-alpha. And if you block PGC1-alpha, the neuroplastic effects of BDNF are significantly reduced. So that brings us to cyanidin-3-glucoside, which elevates PGC1-alpha. So it will work together with BDNF to enhance neuroplasticity and thereby it can have a very significant mood boosting effect. And there are some studies on its mood boosting effects which focus on this effect and the monoamine oxidase inhibiting effects. And it seems really significant. And now that I've taken it, we've taken it since Sunday I believe, my mood has been up. What about for you?
0: Yeah, my mood has been steadily increasing over the week for sure. I didn't really know why or um, how to attribute it because i've been a little bit busier than normal and so i've been taking my supplements um, more as a part of my routine rather than really mindfully but i can tell a difference absolutely Mm -hmm. and
1: one thing i really notice and this is something i noticed the one of the first times i i took some nootropics and it really worked so I think back in the day I was experimenting with ginkgo when I was a little bit younger but then once I got into college I got a little bit more serious about supplements and I remember at one point I started taking a stack of Alcar and ashwagandha so acetyl-L carnitine and ashwagandha and one of the first effects that I noticed is that my field of vision seemed to get bigger And the first time I took cyanidin-3-glucoside, my field of vision got bigger and I had this like kind of flashback to the old school days of nootropics. And I remember this is something I was really seeking out at the time, things that would kind of make my vision bigger, like I could take in more sensory information. It it almost seemed like maybe my hand-eye coordination was better, my verbal fluency was up, that kind of thing. I think I later learned there's a lot of mechanisms at play here. One of them is also enhanced cerebral blood flow. So cerebral blood flow enhancers, ginkgo later also kind of produced this effect. And I was talking to my dad about this recently uh, when I first tried the cyanidin-3-glucoside. And he said, oh yeah, I've also had that effect. So not from cyanidin-3-glucoside, he hasn't tried that yet. Maybe I'll get him to try that. But he actually noticed it from ashwagandha too. So that, that's an interesting thing to note, This this kind of... I'm not sure exactly where it comes from. It's probably a lot of different things working together, but cyanidin-3-glucoside really has that old-school nootropic feeling to me. And it also has a feeling that is reminiscent of blueberries. So when I've eaten a lot of blueberries, like a lot of freeze-dried blueberries, you have this mood boosting kind of mood elevating effect. Back in college, you know, I was really reading all of the examine.com pages really heavily and and blueberries were a big thing at the time. So Mm -hmm. I was eating a shitload of blueberries, uh, blueberries and uh, cottage cheese because I was also into the bodybuilding thing at the time and cottage cheese because of its casein protein, uh, this basic slow release protein. So at night eating big balls of uh, cottage cheese and blueberries. Mm -hmm. Very tasty, but I also found that the blueberries had a bit of a a mood-boosting, nootropic effect. And I'm noticing that here, that similar kind of blueberry effect, but much more elevated. Mm -hmm. And blueberries are quite high in cyanide and 3-glucoside. And like Erica was saying earlier, a lot of different foods are high in cyanide and 3-glucoside. So we consume it through our diet Mm -hmm. anyways. And if we consider that a lot of these foods also contain a lot of the vitamins and minerals we need. And there's this theory that at one point when we were primates, we didn't have color vision. You can actually see it. I think there are still primates around that don't have very good color vision, Mm -hmm. but higher primates, they have color vision. And one thing, if you can imagine, if you're walking through a forest and it's all black and white, if you see a bush full of uh, very brightly colored berries or cherries in a tree or tropical red fruits or something like that you would miss them right Mm -hmm. because they would just blend in with the rest of the black and white
0: yeah
1: now all of a sudden you develop color vision and Mm -hmm. what do you see
0: bright colorful berries everywhere and that's
1: going to attract your attention if you see something that's popping out of your environment that much we're going to eat them so It seems that maybe in some of our evolution, we started to eat a lot of these uh, berries which are higher in glucose and they're higher in energy and our brains are very uh, energy uh, demanding. So our brain goes through a lot of glucose. So the more you can feed your brain, the better your brain works, the more you can grow your brain, the more specialized you can make your brain. So obviously, and a better diet contributed quite significantly to our evolution, our brain development, all of that. Mm -hmm. But one thing that's missed, of course, is that you're also taking something that is a source of cyanidin and other anthocyanins that might have this neuroplasticity-inducing effect, that might have this monoamine-boosting effect, that has this antioxid I can't say that word, this oxidation-regulating effect, this inflammation-regulating effect within the brain that's neuroprotective, it can really kind of prime your brain to be as optimal as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think something that is fun to talk about is also all of the different um, times or instances where something like cyanidin-3-glucoside can really help you to um, achieve a certain goal with a task, whether it's with working out or whether it's with a more cognitively demanding task. And this is something that we'd like to talk about sometimes on the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, who might be interested in the product that we're discussing and um, really in sort of niche areas and I think Uh, when you were telling your story about eating lots of blueberries in college. um, I I love that story because it reminds me of you when I met you. And it also reminds me of the fact that when we know what is in the food that we're eating, when we know the benefits that it might have for us, uh, we also maybe associate these kinds of mood boosts or this increase in focus more accurately to that specific food. And something that I really like about taking the product itself as we're doing the podcast is every single podcast has a different flavor in terms of our experience. Mm -hmm. And I definitely can feel that there is like this kind of opening effect that I'm having and I wouldn't describe it as changing my field of vision because I don't know that I'm noticing it in my vision more so I notice it in my posture and the fact that I feel like as the product is settling in more and I can feel its effects more, I feel like I want to sit up straighter and that there's kind of a more open sense about my attitude and what I'm hearing you say and just my experience of the world. Um, you might attribute it to vision, but for me, Mm -hmm. it has more of this kind of attitude and like postural effect, which I also think is fascinating.
1: Interesting. And
0: you know, at the end of the day, I think, we both notice something quite similar, yeah. but the way that we describe it or the words that we use um, are different because of our backgrounds and because of the things that we're more concerned with, you know, our values, if you will.
1: Absolutely, yeah. For me, like all of these sensory inputs, it's interesting. I, I like looking around me, especially if I'm in an interesting environment. And, uh, you know, I, I my vision is also not fantastic. So if yeah. something is boosting my vision, mm-hmm. uh, that's really interesting and it, it's probably more interesting to me than it is for you. You know, maybe this is how you normally see the world, but because my vision isn't great and I wear glasses and stuff like that, mm-hmm. then maybe if I take something like this and it enhances my visual capacity, that really stands out to me. For sure. And right? my dad has the same visual impairment, so the fact that he's also noticing it, maybe, maybe that's, you know, if we're talking about neuroplasticity, mm-hmm if my eyes aren't working super great, then my brain isn't going to uh, maybe put a lot of resources in there and more connections. Whereas someone who maybe has much better eyesight uh, or has always worn glasses, maybe that person, uh, their their brain is differently adapted to be more focused on the, the sensory visual aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a whole other discussion, of yeah. course, but yeah. it is interesting that for both of us, cyanidin three glucoside really has a pronounced nootropic effect. I think, yeah. and this was something that really surprised me when we first started looking into it. No one was talking about this, and the first time I tried it, that's the main thing I noticed. Mm-hmm. And the first time I tried it, we actually went for a bike ride, and you didn't try it, and I was just flying. And I looked oh, yeah. behind me, and, and Erica just she wasn't anywhere to be I was seen, struggling. basically, and you were struggling, yeah. and I was flying, and. I think that's something I've started to notice with cyanidin-3-glucoside more and more. You know, we've had a really busy period. I haven't really felt the motivation to exercise a lot, but the last couple of days, I have so much physical energy. Every hour or so while I'm working, I'm I'm just doing a few push-ups or a few crunches just to burn off some extra physical energy. Like, it is really physically energizing. Mm -hmm. I feel like the food I'm eating is indeed more readily being turned into usable energy. Which I think brings us to one of the most important aspects of cyanidin-3-glucoside. We definitely
0: need to talk about this because this is probably one of the most well-known effects of cyanidin-3-glucoside. And it's something that we were discussing a little bit this morning at breakfast. Um, Emil asked me if I feel more hungry now that I've been taking cyanidin-3-glucoside just throughout the day. And while I can't say that I feel more hungry, because I honestly feel hungry all the time, I do think that I've been even more hungry than I normally am. And to get to the actual effect that we want to discuss with this, Emil, tell us a little bit about the kind of bodybuilding, holy grail effect that cyanidin-3-glucoside has.
1: Yeah, so when it first entered the scene, it was seen as this uh, concept called nutrient partitioning. So basically when we eat a meal, a lot of different things can happen with it. You can take that nutrition from the food you eat and you can channel it to your muscles, uh, store it as glycogen and kind of um, promote the processes like muscle protein synthesis, all of that, like processes that are happening in your muscles to make your muscles bigger and stronger and more adapted to exercise or some of those excess calories can be stored as fat. So fat is is really important. You know, we, we, I think as a society, we really hate fat um, because uh, frankly, a lot of us eat way too much. And we are in general, maybe a little bit on the larger side these days. And that's not great. But fat is is really important for storing energy. Uh, When we are not eating and, and we need a quick energy source, fat is a good energy source. But of course, aesthetically, that fat doesn't look nice. I don't want that fat on my body. I don't think you want that fat necessarily on your body. I don't know. Aesthetically, I think a lot of people are trying to get rid of that and you want to maybe store more of that energy as glycogen in your muscles. Mm -hmm. Another benefit that this has is you know uh, fat isn't necessarily helping you lift heavier weights, it isn't uh, helping you move quicker, Uh, so having less of that energy stored in fat, that's Mm -hmm. kind of just maybe slowing you down and instead having that being stored in your muscles is good. So that's one of the things cyanidin 3-Glucoside does.
0: Having more energy resources in your muscles makes sense to me. That's something that you would want because you can walk faster or easier, you can lift things easier, you get less tired and basically your muscles can help you function in ways that you want to and do and experience the things that you want to in life and while fat can keep you warm and has good you know benefits for just being an energy resource maybe it doesn't actually have anything to do with the the motivating the motion the actual flow of your everyday life when it comes to getting things done exercising enjoying just sort of moving through life in a literal way
1: yeah and you know that that's for the, the regular average person for yeah. bodybuilders is it's, it's important to not be storing a lot of fat mm-hmm. because if you're developing those muscles you want to see the definition of those muscles you want to see as much texture as much striation as much veins as much abs as much you know being able to show off those different muscle groups and fat just kind of makes it so that they, your muscles don't pop out that much mm-hmm. so for competitive bodybuilders who are getting ready for a show And they will do a cutting phase where they start dropping their calories really significantly to, in an ideal world, maintain the muscle that they built up during a more bulking phase. Mm -hmm. So especially in the winter, a lot of bodybuilders will be eating a lot more calories. Mm -hmm. They'll be focusing on strength exercises, less on cardio and stuff like that, more really getting that raw strength, getting your muscles stronger. And then in that cutting phase, dialing back the calories maintaining as much of that muscle mass as possible and kind of stripping the fat to make what maybe at one point just looked like fat but was a lot of muscle encased by fat to make that look like big defined muscles that you would see in any bodybuilding magazine that you would see on Arnold Schwarzenegger you know all, all of that stuff so that's that's a really a big goal and in in that sense if you are eating especially a caloric deficit as a bodybuilder, your worst nightmare would be that that food is getting stored as fat.
0: That's the opposite of what you want.
1: Yeah, because that would also mean that muscle mass is probably getting decreased. So what you really want is you want basically every gram of the food you eat to go into your muscles and not in fat stores. Mm -hmm. And while that's impossible, of course, and would not be healthy because we do need fat at the end of the day, Cyanidin-3-glucoside can actually pull that off a little bit. So well, not a little bit, a lot. So there's been a lot of really big success stories with cyanidin-3-glucoside. I was reading some stories actually on uh, Reddit of people that said, I always felt like I was a little bit too big. I had too much fat mass and I did a lot of exercising and dieting and nothing really seemed to, to work as well. And then I started taking cyanidin-3-glucoside and everything just clicked into place and started working. And with bodybuilders too, they have big success stories of doing it in a cutting phase or even doing it in a bulking phase and gaining even more muscle and gaining less fat. And then in a cutting phase, maintaining that muscle mass and limiting the fat. And There's a few, well there's a lot of reasons why this happens. One of them is this PGC1-alpha mechanism we talked about earlier, um, which is kind of a regulator of mitochondrial biogenesis, can then take some of the food we eat and in the mitochondria turn that into ATP, that's positive, it is also a bit of a metabolic regulator, so turning that on is really good. It's also working on PPAR alpha, which is also a metabolic regulator. It's really important for utilizing fat stores, Um, and then uh, cyanidin three glucoside upregulates uncoupling protein one (UCP1). This is basically a thermogenic um, target. So. Alright, we're back. Our uh, camera had a little bit of a malfunction. We're a little bit new to this, so we're back on the cyanidine 3 glucoside, uh podcast um, talking about UCP1. UCP1, uh, like we discussed a little bit before the camera turned off, is this uncoupling protein. It is found in brown adipose tissue and this brown adipose tissue can then take fatty acids and stuff like that and through this uncoupling protein, it can turn that, those fatty acids into heat. Um, this is then a process that we like to refer to as thermogenesis and you see a lot of these bodybuilding products um, for designed for cutting, for getting fat off and for staying nice and lean during your cutting phase, they're called thermogenics. Um, this is one of the things they're trying to do. Now that our camera has been off for a little while, the caffeine has started to kick in a a little bit more. It definitely feels fairly robust, like I drank maybe two cups of coffee, not one. An interesting thing to note there is that when I'm drinking caffeine, norepinephrine levels are going up. The monoamine oxidase inhibiting effects of cyanidin-3-glucoside are then making sure that more of that norepinephrine is staying around and it's not being broken down. And that ties back into this UCP1 thing because UCP1 relies on norepinephrine. Norepinephrine kind of releases these fatty acids which UCP1 can then use and then UCP1 gets turned on. That's why a lot of these thermogenic products basically are just really strong stimulants sometimes too. So they'll contain a ton of caffeine, a lot of people feel a little bit jittery on it, You've maybe at some point taken hydroxy cut or something like that. I think that's one of the more popular ones. You've probably seen it around at GNCs. I've, I've
0: definitely heard it and remember it because of the commercials.
1: Yeah. Oh hydroxy cut. They're yeah. always intense. They're super caffeinated usually, really intense and yeah, they but they work through this mechanism where they're releasing fatty acids. Those fatty acids can then be utilized in brown adipose tissue. Another interesting thing then about uh, cyanidin 3-glucoside is that it actually helps convert white adipose tissue to brown adipose tissue so we can get more of this metabolically active fat. That's really interesting. So, when we kind of take everything together, um, we are getting a really nice effect on overall metabolic function and then also of course glucose uptake is enhanced, Uh, insulin sensitivity is enhanced and that plays a role there of course. Uh, The storage of glycogen is increased, the burning of fats to turn into energy is increased. So all of these things are increased and I think this also plays into why maybe I feel a little bit more hungry uh, from it. Uh, the food I'm eating is just being turned into energy more, it's, it's being metabolized quicker. It's basically like, you know, when you hear people say, oh, my metabolism is really fast. This basically turns you into one of those people who will be going around saying, well, my metabolism is really fast, I can eat like 3000 calories a day and not gain any weight.
0: I'm one of those people, by the way, I'm yeah. one of those people who... <laughs> Actually, I I feel like I have a really fast metabolism. I think I do because we eat a similar amount and I often times don't notice a huge difference in terms of gaining weight or fat. Mm
1: -hmm. Whereas when we're eating the same amount of food and exercising the same, I'm definitely uh, gaining some more dad bod status.
0: Yeah, and I seem to be gaining a little bit more muscle and I don't think that's because um, our supplement stack is different, in fact, most of the time we take exactly the same Mm -hmm. Supplements, but it's because I'm processing things in a different way. Yeah. Yeah
1: And I do also have to say after we started taking InfiniBee, which Mm -hmm. we're almost through our collective 60 count, so it's been a, a month about now the infinib also works in a in a somewhat similar way to in 3 glucoside because a lot of the B vitamins are necessary for turning food into energy. So they work as cofactors in lots of different enzyme systems that uh, perform very crucial reactions that eventually get glucose fatty acids into ATP, into usable energy. So our system is already a little bit primed. I feel like after I started taking Infinibi, uh, I've already felt like the food I'm eating is just being processed more. I think you actually recently were saying, hey, you're looking a little bit leaner.
0: You definitely are, um, absolutely.
1: And But I'm eating kind of the same amount of food, I'm exercising mm-hmm. about the same, So maybe the InfiniB is really helping with that. Uh, And maybe after a while you will say, hey, you're looking even leaner because of the cyanidin-3-glucoside we're starting to take now. For sure. Uh, That's kind of also my hope. You know, I I like being a little bit chunkier during the winter and having some more fat on me, the insulating layers stay nice and warm. Mm -hmm. In the summer, that's not as much and, you know. It sounds a little bit vain, but if we go swimming or something, you want to look a little bit more lean and cut. So yeah, hopefully sure. something like Infinibee C3G, and then exercise and just doing more, being more active, uh, maybe eating a little bit differently will really help with that. Um, but I'm liking the effects overall, like on my metabolic function. It definitely feels like my metabolic function is like that of myself when I was a lot younger. Uh, Actually, when I had more issues putting on weight, um, now I'm starting to get into this point in my life where it starts getting harder to keep the weight off. Um, So I think when I was 18, I could really just eat and drink as much beer as I wanted. And I was like a stick figure. Um, But now... And the older I get now, if I drink a couple of beers and uh, a burger, I can definitely start noticing that piling yeah. on me. So, you know, again, a lot of these things, they're not meant to be taken as a way to allow you to cheat and to just drink lots of beer and eat
0: cheeseburgers. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> let's enjoy life, right? Let's but drink let's beer enjoy life. and yeah. eat cheeseburgers and um, get the most out of our workout and get the most out of our food. And, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about how the cyanidin 3 glucoside has changed our perception of hunger. Um, But I think when you have this sort of mood boost and the motivation boost and you also know that there's a different kind of um, process happening when you're eating that the food and the energy is gonna be stored into your muscles, I think it can also help you be a little more realistic when it comes to how much food you're eating and how much fuel you really do need to be satisfied for a certain period of time or um, a little bit of like a biofeedback when it comes to portion control as well. Not because it's making you, mm, let's say more aware of your body in, in like a physical or visual way, like seeing yourself, but it's making you aware of your body from like a perceptual side.
1: Yeah. So I think that that's really interesting. And of course the body recomposition effects that they play in there, it's really just meant to make you look as good as possible if you're a bodybuilder. If you're not a bodybuilder, you're more of a regular person, like you're not necessarily benching 225 yeah. for 10 reps, but you're still exercising a little bit, it will probably really help with your aesthetic development if that's mm-hmm. something you're looking for. And even just in general life, if you're walking a lot and um, going for bike rides and things like that, it really helps. We recently met up with a friend in Amsterdam and we walked around showing them around town they were uh, coming from the U.S. to visit and we walked a lot and earlier that day we had already hiked through the dunes a little bit so we Mm -hmm. were a little bit tired but we took some cyanidin-3-glucoside before going out and yeah we then I think we walked for probably four or five hours straight just through the city so that was again a lot of exercise and one thing I'm noticing is I'm not as sore yeah Um, so usually if if i'm doing that much physical exercise you know on saturday i biked 70 kilometers and then on sunday we went for a really long walk and then on monday we went for a really long walk and then on tuesday i obsessively started doing push-ups throughout work (laughs) but my body is handling all of it so that's nice and i think that brings us to a few different points that we can touch on now yeah so body recomposition affects great, nutrient partitioning affects great. Mm -hmm. Now we can start talking about recovery as well. Yes, because I think this is a really important aspect of cyanidin through glucoside. It is one of the reasons why tart cherry is such a popular product.
0: Yes, I was going to say, as we get into this particular benefit, um, and I'm thinking back to our very, very first In Search of Insight podcast, which was about tart cherry extract Mm -hmm. and the conversation we had about um, recovery and how the anthocyanin content in Tart Cherry is helping to really allow you to repair your muscles, allow you to experience less um, soreness, less stress, less of that unfortunate um, Dom's experience after mm-hmm. exercise. Yeah. And I'm curious to know, are we going to have the same kind of effects profile from cyanin-3-glucoside? Is it slightly different because it's a different anthocyanin?
1: Well, so as we were talking about earlier, when you take any anthocyanin, any cyanidin glycoside, at some point in your body, it is going to be turned into cyanidin. There's actually a good study that was looking at radio-labeled cyanidin-3-glucoside, so basically they tack something on it that is slightly radioactive, and I believe they were putting it on the sugar group. And what they were finding is that in the eventually all of that cyanidin-3-glucoside disappeared. Um, and you can see that because of that radioisotope labeling. So at a certain point, whether it starts right away or it's, it's after many hours, at a certain point, almost all of that cyanidin-3-glucoside we are consuming is turning into cyanidin. And the okay. same will be true for cyanidin-3-rutinicide, which is really high in tart cherry. So, if you're taking tart cherry or you're taking cyanidin-3-glucoside, you are getting cyanidin and cyanidin is probably producing a lot of the benefits. Okay. One of the reasons why tart cherry works so well is because it helps lower uric acid levels. And uric acid levels go up after exercise and they seem to be somewhat responsible for a lot of the delayed onset muscle soreness, DOMS effect. and by limiting that uric acid, by metabolizing that uric acid a little bit more with tart cherry or cyanidin-3-glucoside, that can really help enhance recovery. Another thing, and this does bring us to kind of the the question of when should I take it? This is something I've seen now being discussed quite a lot in our release thread. Um, I see it being discussed in other posts. When's the best time to take it? So one thing to keep in mind is that when you exercise, you are producing oxidative stress in your muscles, and this is good. It sounds kind of strange, but that oxidative stress in your muscles during exercise is good because it helps damage the muscle a little bit more. And again, that sounds strange, but that muscle damage is actually what allows us to adapt to the exercises we're doing. Mm-hmm. So
0: No pain, no gain. That's where it all comes
1: from. Absolutely. And when you're doing a bicep curl, for example, those muscles in your bicep are getting little micro tears and obviously your body doesn't like that so it's producing oxidation it's producing inflammation and that's bothering all of the cells there but it's recruiting then things that will help repair that and that repair mechanism over time we get more of those repair mechanisms we get more uh, adapted to exercise so for example if you do push-ups every day, you probably will never be sore um, from just a couple of push-ups. But if you're new to doing push-ups and you do push-ups, you're going to be sore quite a lot until you're not. And the, the fact that you're not sore after a while is because at a certain point, your muscles become much more adapted to that damage. That does mean that taking compounds that have a significant effect on oxidation will at a certain point negate some of that benefit of exercise. So with that in mind, out of an abundance of caution, I would recommend, especially if you're a bodybuilder and you're trying to get as much muscle hypertrophy as possible, to take uh, cyanidin-3-glucoside away from your workout. So let's say you're working out in the morning, Mm -hmm. Have have a little meal, go work out, wait a few hours and then when you have your big kind of recovery meal uh, with the most amount of calories, you have a lot of nice proteins, fats and carbohydrates, take it 30 minutes before then. Then you're one, going to be able to take advantage of the nutrient partitioning effects. So in the classic uh, bodybuilding world where where it's been popular, the rhetoric is always take cyanidin-3-glucoside 30 minutes prior to your biggest meal That makes, it's a little bit bro science, but it makes logical sense because for that nutrient partitioning effect to actually work, you need nutrients.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I would recommend doing it like that. And the nice thing then is this oxidative stress is good kind of at the beginning stages, when you're exercising, you want that, but that oxidation will continue, that inflammation will continue, and that continued oxidation and inflammation is what causes DOMS. So at a certain point, you actually want to limit it because then you can actually recover a little bit better and you're not as sore and if you're not as sore you can work out again quicker and then you can get more volume in and the more volume you can get in the more muscle hypertrophy you can stimulate and the bigger more muscular more defined more lean you can get so i would use it in that way Work out, and then take it together with a meal and then you can do a lot of interesting things too like creatine monohydrate also really good for bodybuilding and creatine monohydrate is really good to take with a carbohydrate containing meal because that insulin release of that carbohydrate containing meal will allow creatine monohydrate to get taken up into your muscle cells more readily. So if you're doing that then together with cyanidin-3-glucoside, you're getting recovery, you're getting a replenishment of ATP in your muscles, they would definitely be working nicely together. But in that sense I don't think um, cyanidin-3-glucoside makes tart cherry obsolete. There are some other things in um, tart cherry of course we are just standardizing for a cyanidin-3-retinocyte but there are some other anthocyanins in there some other interesting compounds but if you just want to pick one or the other and you want to get the most pronounced effects i would go for cyanidin-3-glucoside because One thing is you're getting way more cyanidin per dose from this than you are with the tart cherry. So this is much richer in that anthocyanin. So in that sense, I think it's good. And there's a little bit more research on the cyanidin-3-glucoside having all of these nutrient partitioning effects, having this effect on PGC1-alpha and PPAR-alpha. And that brings me actually to a really interesting point. When we talk about recovery, we're talking about pain. And then you realize that PPAR-alpha, so activating PPAR-alpha, which is one of the main mechanisms by which cyanidin-3-glucoside works, is also one of the main mechanisms of actions of ethanolamide ah. PEA. So PEA activates PPAR-alpha in a very similar way as cyanidin-3-glucoside. So, we
0: often recommend people take PEA for pain management. In fact, that's really the most prominent benefit that I think people look to PEA for. And
1: PEA is not only producing its pain management effects through PPAR-alpha, PEA is also an endocannabinoid. So it's working on the cannabinoid system. So it definitely has some effects there. But cyanidin-3-glucoside also has an effect on PPAR-alpha and has a very significant effect on oxidation, which plays a role in pain and has a very significant effect on inflammation which plays a role in pain and I was noticing some upper back and neck pain and it was really resulting in some headaches over time too and when I went on this really long bike ride on Saturday I was borrowing a bicycle that was a little bit too small for me so I was a little bit cramped on my bicycle and that kind of made things a little bit worse so on Sunday and Monday I was having some issues We started taking it on Sunday. On Monday, I started to feel it fade. And I believe on Tuesday, you asked me, how's your neck and back doing? And I was thinking, hey, yeah, I actually haven't had any issues with my neck or back. Normally, when I'm having such like tight muscles, it takes a lot longer to resolve, even with stretching and uh, exercise and stuff like that. So I do think cyanidin-3-glucoside is also really interesting for those looking for a pain management supplement. and, and of course that comes in handy if you are working out a lot and you want to get the most out of your workouts and recover quicker. Absolutely. On the other hand, with, when it comes to dosing time, mm-hmm. if you want to dose it prior to like an endurance exercise, mm-hmm. that's great. So if you eat uh, like a nice carbohydrate-containing meal, you take the cyanidin-3-glucoside, then you go on a bike ride with your main purpose being endurance going okay. fast going far not necessarily worried about training more yeah. about performance for performance absolutely take c3g before exercise this it is will something benefit you.
0: we talked about a lot in the tart cherry podcast the very first one um talking about tart cherry as a good uh tool for people doing really really intense performance-based exercise, like running a marathon or maybe doing some kind of race, or let's say you are working on an endurance um, session for your workout. And I haven't tried it myself yet, but I am curious now at this point. um, That podcast was two years ago, and at the time, some of these concepts didn't feel so concrete, or I hadn't experienced them for myself. But now at this point, I think it would be really fun and interesting to try to Push myself to the limit in terms of how much can I really handle in terms of like a bike ride after taking cyanidin three glucoside and you know a really carb heavy meal yes. uh, just to see how far it actually helps you push.
1: So and it and it will like in my experience it really helped there uh, with that bike ride when you didn't take it and I did take it I was clearly performing better than you. And oh yeah. <laughs> we are pretty much matched in terms of ability. Yeah. Um, and. Erica was on a much better bicycle than I was. So I was on our crap bicycle. Erica was on the nicely optimized road bike. So I had everything going against me and I was excelling.
0: Yeah, and you were really confused as to why I was biking so slow. (laughs) And I was frustrated by the fact that I was biking so slow. But then I had this moment where I realized, oh, we didn't take our supplements. That, That just popped into my head and then I thought, it's definitely because we didn't take our supplements yet. That's really the main reason why I'm struggling. Yeah. Because not only do our supplements help me to overcome a lot of the mental obstacles that get in the way of performance, but they're definitely having an effect on my physical performance. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. So so for endurance, do that. Um, I think then the the question also comes up. Should I take it on an empty stomach? And I think for the cognition-enhancing effects, taking on, on an empty stomach will have the most pronounced mental cognitive effects, mm-hmm. but there's one thing to be careful of. So cyanidin-3-glucoside does enhance glucose uptake quite a bit, it enhances insulin sensitivity quite a bit, it, it just enhances mm-hmm. glucose processing. So if you have issues with your blood glucose maybe being a little bit lower, you can definitely feel an impact there. On the other hand, uh, Paul, the owner of the company, he intermittently fasts and he takes cyanidin 3 glucoside earlier in the morning Mm -hmm. uh, on a completely fasted empty stomach and it works fine for him but he is adapted to fasting because he's been fasting as long as I know him. I think he hasn't really deviated from this. So he might be a lot more adapted to having lower blood glucose levels than the majority of us. So be careful of that if you feel weird after taking it. Definitely eat something that contains some sugar and just start taking it with a meal. Another thing that has come up is if I am doing a keto diet, does it still work? Because a lot of these effects obviously are um, dependent on glucose. Yes, it will work because in 3 glucoside even seems to upregulate the process of ketogenesis, so it will probably actually be very beneficial for people who are on a keto diet and will help them get the most out of their nutrients.
0: That's really um, good to know. It's yeah. funny that you're talking about this right now because I'm starting to feel a little bit tired, mm. and I don't know if it's because we've been recording the podcast for some time or because the coffee has really settled in, and that stimulation effect has sort of gone over the edge of like energizing into the range of super, super chill, like laser beam focus. Okay. Um, but I'm starting to feel hungry and I'm starting to feel a little bit tired. And I wonder if there's kind of a um, a, a slingshot or sort of a, a reactive like downswing from the cyanin-3-glucoside that I'm experiencing now, maybe it's attributed to something else.
1: Yeah, so I think for you, when you get a little bit overstimulated, you actually get a little bit more tired. Um, I'm definitely feeling really laser focused, uh, quite a bit of energy. I could definitely rip this mic off now and go for a run. That's kind of what I want to do. Um, Also, when we do this podcast, it is quite, cognitively demanding to to, to keep engaged with each other, to keep engaged with all of you. And especially now that we have video here, we actually have to present ourselves a little bit more uh, nicely. You know, normally we're kicking back on the couch with a big glass of whiskey. No, Just kidding. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now it's a little bit more, we have to be a little bit more engaged. So I think that like keeping your posture good and mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that definitely takes a bit of energy. Yeah. But I do think that throughout this podcast, my brain has stayed more clear. Usually at the end of a podcast, I've talked about so much stuff and so much stuff from my memory that I started getting a little bit of this mental fog coming over me and after the podcast I'm definitely a little bit tired. With this the cyanidin-3-glucoside and the coffee I'm not feeling that and I'm feeling very mentally clear still Mm -hmm. like I feel like I could maybe even do another hour and a half which I assure you we will not (laughs) uh, put you through but normally I don't feel that way so I think just mental endurance wise that's nice. One thing definitely, I am feeling more hungry. Yeah. Like I could eat something now, now that that and 3 glucoside is really kicking in. The meal we had earlier is, you know, it's not fully metabolized yet, but it, it's getting there a lot more if it has become digested. So definitely the hunger is there. Mm-hmm. Now you see it alive on camera. Yeah. Um, you've basically seen us go the last. Uh, uh, there's been a break here and there it's been about two hours two and a half hours maybe since we started yeah. so within two and a half hours these are kind of the effects you can experience so within 15 minutes we kind of start feeling it kick in mm-hmm. and then I feel like at about an an hour I could feel it the most yeah me um, too. and then we added a cup of coffee which obviously the caffeine in the coffee it takes a little while to enter your system and once that kicked in, and you might notice it kind of in my mannerisms, maybe I'm starting to move around a little bit more because I have more physical energy, but I think that th- definitely kicked it up a bit.
0: At this point in time, you're moving less than you were maybe 45 minutes okay. ago. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Maybe in a sense, it has calmed me down because sometimes stimulating things can also kind of make me take things a little bit down, mm-hmm. feel more in control. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. Um, And it just has a really nice mood-boosting effect. Again, keep in mind that for me this is the second dose of the day. Okay. And it is a little bit intense for me with two doses and I do feel a little bit tired. I'm not feeling that now, but I think in a few hours this second dose of cyanidin-3-glucoside will make me crash a little bit. So I will try it for a couple more days to see if that changes. But I do think in general, I'm going to just stick to 250 milligrams a day. That does kind of bring us to the question of dosing. Back in the day, it was being dosed all the way up to 1,200 milligrams, I guess. So you kind of take it with every meal, I Mm -hmm. think, and you then take it pre-workout. I do think when we were talking about the... Um, adaptation to exercise and oxidation and stuff like that. The one thing to keep in mind is cyanidin-3-glucoside is also doing so much for muscle growth, so much for mental focus, so much for endurance, that you might actually get a lot of benefits from taking it pre-workout. I don't think that needs to be like the golden rule we all follow, but I think if you really want to maximize every drop of performance, then maybe it is better to just take it at a different time, take it post-workout. Um, But I do think we've covered a lot so we covered the cognitive effects, uh, which I think are really interesting, especially the monoamine oxidase uh, effects, but you can find that in some other products. So I think the really standout effect here is the effect C3G has on inducing PGC1-alpha with that then being one of the things BDNF requires for neuroplasticity, for that mitochondrial biogenesis. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting.
0: And is that also the mechanism that's helping with the nutrient repartitioning as well?
1: That's also one of the things that's uh, helping with the nutrient repartitioning in addition to PPAR-alpha, which is then similar to PEA having a pain modulating effect. So that's really interesting. One thing I actually forget to mention, let's spend a little bit of time still talking about the oxidation-regulating effects because I think that's one thing where cyanidin-3-glucoside really shines. So obviously we have oxidation happening in our brain and that can have a negative effect on overall uh, brain health, nerve health, stuff like that. So cyanidin-3-glucoside is definitely quite neuroprotective through its oxidation-regulating effects. Specifically, cyanidin-3-glucoside also upregulates and triggers or induces NRF2. And for those of you who are familiar with uh, sulforaphane, sulforaphane is one of those compounds from broccoli. Um, It's been talked about a whole lot. And one of the big uh, mechanisms of actions for sulforaphane is that it induces NRF2. So this kind of pulls off a similar thing as uh, sulforaphane. Okay. And that NRF2 effect has a really nice oxidation regulating effect, good effect on metabolic function, and stuff like that. And especially in the brain. So it has a neuroprotective effect there. Inducing PPAR alpha and activating PPAR alpha also has a neuroprotective effect. And then cyanidin 3 glucoside is also really good at regulating neuroinflammation, which neuroinflammation is also really bad for overall cognitive function, brain health. So having that. Uh, neuroinflammation mitigating effect there is also really nice. So I think, if I really had to sum it up, cyanidin-3-glucoside obviously is a really good nutrient partitioning agent. It is very good for bodybuilding, for body recomposition, but it is equally, if not even a little bit more skilled, at enhancing cognitive function, at enhancing mood, and at protecting our brain. That then also kind of brings us to one other thing we find this in, which is wine. And I think a lot of people associate red wine consumption with better overall health. Of course, that's questionable because you're also consuming a lot of ethanol. So that's then also not good if you're drinking a lot of wine. But It's good for you to drink red
0: wine in general.
1: It's just good for your life. It's good
0: for your enjoyment of life. It is good for for enjoyment. For that reason, I think it's good for your health.
1: (laughs) You know, a little bit is fine. A, yeah. a glass here and there, you know, that's something that, that's oftentimes recommended. But one thing, we talk about wine, we talk about resveratrol mm-hmm. sometimes. Ah, that actually reminds me, this is another important thing. There is so much to talk about with cyanidine 3 glucoside because it really is kind of like a Swiss army knife in terms of the effects it has. So, there's two things that are important to NAD+.
0: I was going to mention this earlier because I was thinking about the, the mitochondrial benefits mm-hmm. and I was thinking about the, the neurogenesis and neuroplasticity and the energizing effect. And so I'm really glad that you're going to talk about it.
1: So cyanidin-3-glucoside activates sirtuin-1. This is a similar thing that resveratrol does and resveratrol being in red wine, cyanidin-3-glucoside being in red wine there's a good chance they're actually working together to activate SIRT1. And SIRT1 is one of the things that NAD+, they work together. So SIRT1 activation and higher NAD levels, that's really good. So another thing that C3G does is it inhibits an enzyme called CD38. This is something we have talked about on our NAD podcast. It is something that we actually built into our OptiNAD product uh, with Apigenin. Apigenin is also a CD38 inhibitor. CD38 is an enzyme that normally breaks down NAD+, so if you are inhibiting it, nad levels can remain higher. So that's again a neuroprotective benefit of cyanidin-3-glucoside, but also just for general overall NAD+, longevity, things like that. Really interesting. And that kind of brings us then to stacks, and I think maybe the first stack we can recommend then is the red wine stack. So you would have cyanidin-3-glucoside, the purple, the red part of red wine, and resveratrol. So normally, if you're drinking a glass of red wine, you would have a fairly low amount of resveratrol and cyanidin-3-glucoside. Here, you're now getting extremely high concentrations of cyanidin-3-glucoside and resveratrol. So those purported benefits are then going to be much higher. Um,
0: and you won't be consuming ethanol so and you won't be that consuming be ethanol yeah.
1: I do think one thing we oftentimes forget about when it comes to alcoholic beverages is that they are products of yeast fermentation and yeasts have very good benefits on immune function on um gut function and things like that so uh, if you're drinking natural wines, wines that are a little bit more unfiltered, you're definitely getting a lot of those yeast cells mm-hmm. still in there and that might have a beneficial effect. So if I'm really going to complete this red wine stack, I would actually also put in like Epicor or our functional yeast extract to add that yeast portion mm-hmm. of a fermented beverage.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so let's, let's keep it more on the simple side, functional yeast, uh, resveratrol and cyananin-3-glucoside, I think that can be the red wine stack.
0: I like it, I really like it Or the
1: Mediterranean stack.
0: Yeah, very nice. I like that a lot because I think that there are plenty of people who ask this question, is red wine actually good for me for these reasons? And it can be, but there's also a lot of people who experience um, not so nice effects from red wine specifically. And there's a lot of people who don't drink alcohol um, but it's nice that we can have this stack to take in replacement of that, and the active compounds are much much higher in concentration also. So we can actually yeah. feel the benefits of it um, way more than if you were drinking bottles of red wine.
1: Yes, which not recommended. I take resveratrol, so I've actually been taking resveratrol and cyanidin three glucoside together, mm-hmm. and I. I I'm not sure, I've been on resveratrol for such a long time now, I'm not sure how they actually stack together, but I'm not getting any weird effects Mm -hmm. and the effects of cyanidin 3-glucoside are hitting really well, so maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. So especially if you are interested in NAD plus enhancement, the longevity thing, cyanidin 3-glucoside with uh, resveratrol and then maybe that yeast extract, Mm -hmm. I think is a really interesting option.
0: For sure. I think we should talk about a stack for recovery because that's another really um, important function for cyanidin-3-glucoside in a daily stack regimen. So if we were to have cyanidin-3-glucoside as our main um, recovery product, Mm -hmm. we're gonna push tart cherry to the side for the time being. Yes. Then You could also stack them together, by the way. Yeah, you could do that, but it might be a little bit um, redundant Perhaps. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so cyanidin-3-glucoside is kind of our centerpiece. And then in addition to that, thinking about recovery purposes, um, I always go to REFL because REFL is something that I was taking um, for quite some time in a powder stack and that was really helping me to recover from um, music practice sessions. And that was helping me to keep my like, muscles and tendons and small muscles feeling a little bit more healthy and recovering quickly from that. So I would add REFL in um, to the recovery stack. And then alongside that, I would also add in glutathione. And I'm not really sure why, but I just have this feeling like glutathione is gonna be important for recovery, but I can't tell you the specific reason.
1: Because uh, glutathione, one, it gets depleted a little bit when we exercise, and two, it has a very prominent oxidation-regulating effect.
0: Okay, cool.
1: That, that would work well. Okay. And I really like your uh, REFL suggestion. REFL also has not necessarily a nutrient-partitioning effect, but it can also help muscles kind of take up nutrients a little bit more, recover quicker. There's some interesting effects there. So REFL and C3G would definitely stack well together.
0: There's one more product that I would want okay. to add to the recovery stack, and that's magnesium. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, based on our magnesium podcast that we did together, um, magnesium is really important for every single function in our bodies. Yes. And if you're going to be doing a really hard workout and you want to recover fully and kind of hit all of your sort of basics for that, um, magnesium is going to be a really important thing to re-up on, mm-hmm. to replenish after yeah. a workout. So. Cyanidin-3-glucoside, magnesium, glutathione, and REFL would be my suggestion for a good recovery stack.
1: I think that's a great stack. Uh, I'll take it in a different direction then. So, um, obviously, cyanidin-3-glucoside as one of the bases for reducing DOMS. Another one that I see a lot of you talking about for DOMS is epicatechin. It's a compound that's found in green tea. Epicatechin, according to a lot of you, is one of the best things you've taken for DOMS. So I think that's a good one to add on. Another interesting thing about epicatechin is that it is a myostatin inhibitor and this allows for more muscle growth. So it's quite famous for that too. And I think with the muscle enhancing effects of C3G, they would go really well with epicatechin. And then I would keep it old school. And if you're not taking creatine and you're bodybuilding, what are you doing? to be honest. Like it is one of the the main most studied bodybuilding supplements. It just works unless you're having really weird effects with it. Uh, Maybe you're taking it in really high doses. Just take five grams a day. Just always take five grams a day. It it seems to be really positive. It also has nice cognition enhancing effects. So I think adding that in there is good. I can imagine maybe during a cutting phase you might want to drop it because creatine monohydrate does enhance the um, water retention in our cells so this is actually a positive effect that's called cellular hydration keeps us more hydrated on a cellular level so I think it is really cool in that sense but if you're really trying to shed every ounce of water weight of fat and you're trying to look you're kind of looking for that paper skin look on a bodybuilding stage then yeah creatine, you should drop it, but in general, I think for recovery, um, general muscle function, stacking creatine together with cyanidin-3-glucoside and epicatechin would be really nice, and I would just keep it simple like that. Um, if it's just going to be a recovery product or recovery stack, um, do that, and I do agree with Erica, magnesium is important, zinc would also be important, if you're an athlete you're going to be sweating out a lot, a lot of zinc, so that's a good one to take too. Um, and then, of course, you can get more complex with testosterone and stuff like that. But if we're just assuming you're already pretty deep into the bodybuilding athletics world, maybe you're already doing all of those things. So if you're then just adding in cyanidin-3-glucoside for body recomposition and recovery, keep it simple. Cyanidin-3-glucoside, epicatechin, creatine, something like that. And probably you're taking creatine already. So
0: So that's a good thing to know. And you're
1: probably taking epicatechin already too.
0: Probably. So
1: then just take cyanidin-3-glucoside. Yeah. Alright, so I think now we can look at a cognition-enhancing stack and a mood-enhancing stack. I would say, you know, cyanidin-3-glucoside, something like 7,8-DHF or 4-DMA-7,8-DHF, kind of hit a little bit more on that neuroplasticity side of mood. Of course, like we talked about, BDNF requires PGC1-alpha to actually make those new neurons and make those new connections because you need then more mitochondria, so you need that mitochondrial biogenesis, and cyanidin 3-glucoside is upregulating PGC1-alpha, so I think that's kind of an interesting way to modulate that, let's keep that simple, like that can be kind of the neuroplasticity. Um, Then for like focus mood, I've been trying um, subroxy together with cyanidin-3-glucoside and the subroxy feels much stronger with cyanidin-3-glucoside. So if you're looking to kind of maximize what you can get out of subroxy, I would definitely recommend stacking it with cyanidin-3-glucoside. I think in terms of more a like a basics uh, one where you're looking a little bit more at inflammation, a little bit more at oxidation, a little bit more at those monoamine oxidase enzymes, stack it with Long Vita. We're actually taking it together with Long Vita. So that's a stack we're already doing. And the two share quite a bit in common uh, in terms of their mechanism of action. So that's really nice. Um, and then I think just in terms of maximizing that um, nutrient partitioning effect. Another really popular nutrient partitioning supplement is Agmatine. So you can stack it with Agmatine, that would help a little bit. Like we talked about in the podcast, InfiniB with those B vitamins, they are very much involved with um, turning food into usable energy. So that seems to stack really well. Um, And then, yeah, maybe maybe that's simple enough. You could maybe stack it with berberine to get a little bit more of that glucose effect, but that might actually be a little bit extreme. Um, so maybe keeping it simple there. What other stacks can you think of? Maybe a blood flow stack.
0: Yeah, I think that um, would be important.
1: So a blood flow stack like we were talking about earlier.
0: You could start with cyanidin-3-glucoside and then add in horny goat weed.
1: Yeah, for that PDE5 inhibitor effect. Mm-hmm. And then you can add in L-citrulline and L-arginine. Yeah. Uh, Another interesting thing that we didn't really touch on, but uh, cyanidin-3-glucoside upregulates the activity of endothelial nitric oxide synthase, and like we talked about in the very start of the podcast, you need nitric oxide synthase to turn L-arginine into nitric oxide, so upregulating the level of nitric oxide synthase is good, and specifically, endothelial nitric oxide synthase is in our blood vessels. So that's what actually helps release or relax our blood vessels. Um, so I think that's really interesting, stacking it together with L-citrulline, uh, L-arginine, and L-citrulline and L-arginine can also be degraded, especially nitric oxide, by oxidation. So having that oxidation-regulating effect is good. You can even stack glutathione there and then as well, because glutathione helps preserve the nitric oxide boosting effect of L-citrulline. So L-citrulline, L-arginine, cyanide N-3-glucoside, and agmatine too. Agmatine upregulates the level of enos as well, endothelial nitric oxide. So that would be interesting. What other stack?
0: I think we could also do a mood stack.
1: Mood stack, yeah. So we did kind of a neuroplasticity mood Mm -hmm. stack, but how would you go for maybe a more traditional mood
0: stack? Well, I'm curious if there is another specific um, supplement. I think you mentioned it earlier, one that is allowing your vision to get a little bit wider. Yeah, ashwagandha would be nice. Ashwagandha. So I think combining ashwagandha with Sanadin-3-glucoside would be nice for that sort of opening uh, mood-boosting, sort of like uh, sun salutation type of effect. (laughs) So to add on to the mood-boosting stack, uh, we have ashwagandha, we have cyanidin 3 glucoside, and then I would also add in the red rishi extract. Mm, nice. Because that's one that I find that is super, super effective for my mood. Um, just keeping it regular, keeping it more, um, or I should say, less reactive to just everyday life stress. And I think it's something that I miss a lot in my stack currently. So, With the addition of this and feeling like I'm a little bit more aware of what's going on around me and more aware of my body, I would want to add in the red reishi because that's one that I know helps my mood in a general relaxation way.
1: And I'll take it then in a more hormone-based mood booster, Cystange, cyanidin-3-glucoside and pregnenolone. I think that together makes for a really nice energizing, uplifting, but also calming mood stack, which you can then get a little bit more of those benefits with the hormones. And of course, kind of let's have one last stack and wrap this podcast up. Sanin 3-glucoside, Tongat Ali, Cystange, Pregnenolone, all of those kind of testosterone, muscle enhancing boosters, they're all gonna stack wonderfully together. So definitely keep that in mind. If you're trying to get the most out of your workouts, cyanidin-3-glucoside can be at the forefront together with other allies like tonga Dali, etc. et cetera. So, but with that, this is probably plenty long. <laughs> I think so. We've
0: given you lots of stack ideas. Um, we've talked about really a whole spectrum of benefits from cyanidin-3-glucoside. And we've also talked to you a little bit about our experiences with it just from the podcast today, but also over the last couple of days. And I think it's a really interesting supplement to add in, um, even if you're not a bodybuilder, even if you are not someone who is super concerned with the um, fitness benefits, I do think that it can help just in terms of everyday life, uh, getting more out of the food and the fuel that you take in in that way. Thank you so much again, every single month Mm -hmm. for listening to the In Search of Insight podcast. There's lots more information in the description of the YouTube video. Let us know your feedback on the video and we're very excited to see you next month for another episode. Bye-bye. See you next
1: time and we hope you liked the video.
0: Yeah.